people talk about fractals and sacred G, it, there's actually a connection between all of these technologies, right? In, I mean, look at it in the technology world, the tech world, zeros and ones, there's a connection between all of it. it the same story is being told in all of these different languages now. There's so much noise and there's so many different dialects and accents of the same language that we forget that it's all saying the same thing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Auto Gomes Crypto Show. Today we have brother from another mother, Jetty Azuma. He is a host of the Rising Man podcast and creator of the Rising Man movement. Jetty has been in the field of men's leadership and empowerment for the past 10 years. As a rites of passage guide, mentor, and leadership coach, Jetty has impacted the lives of thousands of men on his mission to initiate an entire generation of men into power and purpose-driven service for the world. Despite his many roles and contributions to men's work, Jetty considers his most important jobs to be a father and a husband. Ladies and gentlemen, Jetty Azuma. Oh man, it sounds so good when you read it. I should have you follow me around everywhere and just your voice, you just introduce me. I, I like how it sounds, man. <laughs> Thanks for the it's intro. Like, it's like the uh, it's like that guy like uh, before the those uh, WWE events. Michael Ladies Buffett. and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, see now I'm disappointed. Let's go back and have you do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna start my podcast like that from now on. Just there you just go. straight up epic. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, first off, thank you, brother, for joining me and giving me your time and your energy. I'm always super grateful when people do that because I know that all we have is our time and our energy. You can't buy more of that. So thank you. Oh, it's an honor, man. Thanks for having me here, Otto. So I love these episodes. I love talking to people in general and just getting to know their journey. So I, I, I want to kind of go back to your to your journey and see you know, tell me as far back as you want to go and, and your journey to this point, like what led you to this point. And specifically, if you can talk about that red pill moment, I like to call it that kind of really shook you out of the matrix. Oh, that's a good, that's a good prompt. I like that. But what was the red pill moment? You know, I, I've been fortunate enough to review my life many times. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't actually do. I know I didn't really do that until I was in my mid twenties. So I've had the opportunity to do this many times. So I've kind of made those, uh, you know, in those like crime scene shows, they have like the the bulletin boards with the red yarn going from one thing to the next. So I've made some really interesting connection points. So for me, that one of those red pill moments, because I think there was a few, was when I was nine years old. Um, I grew up in the New York City suburbs. I grew up in New Jersey, seven miles as the crow flies from downtown Manhattan. Pretty ordinary, lower middle class upbringing. My parents are great, They're still married, still live in the same house I grew up in. But when I was nine years old, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer and it was stage three breast cancer back in a time. This is the nineties, you know, cancer was still something people didn't really know much about. And the reason that this was so impactful for me was number one, I almost lost my mom. Thankfully she survived and she's been in remission for over 20 years now. But more importantly, because she was in and out of the hospital so much, and because I had an older brother and a younger brother and my dad was working full time the community around us in this small town of Woodridge, New Jersey that I grew up in, soaked us up like a sponge. Um, not just my blood family and relatives who also showed up more than they ever have at that point in my life, but my, my friends and their parents. I was having sleepovers every day of the week when my mom was in the hospital for weeks at a time. And so the reason that was such a cornerstone moment for me was because that, without knowing it, that was when, number one, I understood the power of community and what can happen when we work on something together. And just my family wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for the community straight up. Like we wouldn't have made it through that really challenging time. And second of all, which is also interesting, I, and I, I inherited a belief at that time that now I owe my community for essentially saving my family. That was the way I processed it as a nine-year-old was, whoa, look at the way people showed up for me, for my mom, for my dad, for my brothers. I owe it to society to give back now. Cause that was the point where I really see myself becoming service oriented and service driven. And like I said, there was many other of these moments, but that was the one that really stood out when you asked that question. And so that's amazing because like, 
um, you know, in my, in my side, on my perspective, I look at community as like the thing that's going to change everything. Like if we don't have community, if we're not building community right now, we're, we're just bound towards the same perpetual BS. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, so that led you down a very specific path. It looks like, because now you're, you're, you're bringing that to communities. Uh, you're Mm -hmm. bringing that flavor to the community. So, um, how did that, how did that journey look like for you? Like what kind of led you into this road of wanting to be a coach and actually teaching people about that? Well, the coach conversation and leadership work didn't really come in until my 20s. So even though I had that experience when I was nine years old, I was also an athlete and I also happened to be the captain or one of the best players on my team, mostly because I was in a small town, but also because I was a pretty good athlete. So I was always in a leadership position mm-hmm. and I got identified as a leader early on in my life. So I took that on as part of my identity. My mom was a nurse and I had an affinity for giving care and rendering care to people, first aid, medical stuff. Like I was, I was diagnosing injuries as a teenager. So it was, (laughs) so it's kind of interesting how these all pieces all came together, but all of it really fell under this umbrella of wanting to give back. Like I said, I, I got that story early on that, Hey, I owe my community. I owe it to society to give back. And so as a leader, as an athlete, as somebody who was geared towards the healthcare industry, I just kept following those breadcrumbs. When I was 20 years old and I was in college, I was um, I was minoring in social justice. So I was studying the ways of the world and what's how did we come up with these inequities? Where did it come from? I was going on international travel and I was starting to see, whoa, I just want to give back because there's a huge dearth of community service. There's there's so much opportunity out there to help people. When I was in college, I thought I was going to go to med school and I was going to open a free clinic. So it went through several iterations before it arrived at being a podcaster and a leadership coach and mentor and rites of passage guide. But it was really just following the breadcrumbs where the 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 constant the continuous element of it was I want to give back and I want to leave my community better than I found it. Period. I love, I love your perspective, man, because it really is unique. Like, especially at nine years old to have that kind of experience and then have that awareness so young. Um, I can't even imagine that. I mean, I had my own upbringing, which was very specific, but that's so cool to have that so early on. So, you know, specifically in our discussion here, because I'm, I'm around crypto and, you know, I talk about crypto and wealth and all that. How do you define wealth and what have you placed the most value on in your life since, you know, now that you're, now that you're focused on teaching people and, and being that coach, um, was there some sort of growth that happened for you to get to that point to where you're sharing that, that path with other people? So like, what, how does, how does wealth look like for you in your journey? Relationships. To me, that's the one currency that is never going to go away. Uh, and I, I'm, you know, much more than I do about the currency and values and exchanges markets and stuff like that. But relationships is the one thing that we always have had, and we always will continue to have to have in order to sustain society, to sustain community. And, you know, after, after hearing your story, when you were on my podcast a little bit more, I, I wish that somebody would have whispered in my ear to invest in Bitcoin when you did. Cause if I had that on top of all the amazing investments I've made in relationships, dude, we'd be stunting right now. But while I was watching all of my friends invest in their 401ks and buy investment properties out of college, I was like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, let's, let's go have experiences. Let's have a good time. I didn't believe in any of that stuff. I, I was like, I don't even think that there's going to be a social security program by the time that I, I can benefit from one. So why invest in these markets? That was my belief in my early twenties. And not that that was entirely wrong or inaccurate, mm-hmm. but to me, it was relationships. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to put my time, my energy, my effort into developing my connections with people, my ability to communicate with people, to empathize, to understand, to sit and really become a good listener. Because to me, those were things that were valuable then, have proven to be valuable over the last 15, 20 years of my life. And I don't think that value is ever going to go away. So, um, that was where I put my time and my energy and my investments, even, you know, going on trips with people that to me, that's where I spent my money. I went on trips and had really impactful experiences. And, um, I wasn't doing the investments like some people are, I'm sure a lot of people who listen to your show, but to me, I still, I still attest that that's the most important investment to make. It's funny. I, I, I totally relate, but on the opposite end of the spectrum. 
He's <laughs> 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 like, I was the guy investing and doing the right things that you're supposed to do, uh, but not processing any of that other stuff, you know, looking at relationships, looking at myself and self-love and self-care. Um, if anything, because I got all that, all those resources from crypto, I'm now focusing on that side that I don't have, <laughs> which yep. you, which you naturally, you personally naturally went through it. You know, I, I, I slowly am learning now this give and take between, you know, a, a man that's driven by a, a vision, by a purpose, the balance of that and the balance of, uh, self-care and, you know, um, relationships and, and, um, you know, uh, taking care of, of self really, you know, so to be able to be sustain that external, you know, that uh, external output. So I guess my question for you is, if relationships for you are what you determine to be worth, like the wealth, when does the external become destructive, right? Because I've learned that, um, at least in my journey, that that worth should be coming from the inside, from from self worth, from like internal self worth. As soon as you start to externalize it, you start to you know wanting to feed the void from an external source. You're always going to be pursuing it. So mm. I feel like that's a fine line, but maybe I'm wrong. Sure. Well, and correct me if I'm misinterpreting your question, but. I'm talking about healthy relationships. I'm not talking about codependent relationships. I'm not talking about externally validating relationships. I'm talking about relationships where I know who I can count on when I really need to count on somebody. Mm. I know who to call. I've invested half a lifetime in some of these relationships and have evidence that I, that it's two ways, that I show up for these people and they show up for me. I'm talking about some of my best friends who are not my blood relatives. You know, It goes beyond friendship, it's, it's family. And so it's like, it's, it's synonymous with getting into Bitcoin back when you did in 2012 or 2013, right? It's like, I invested in relationships back then. And now everybody, you can't go back and invest in Bitcoin when it was like a hundred bucks a coin or whatever it was, <laughs> right? You can't go back and invest in relation that that time has, has passed. You can invest in relationships starting today. I can get into Bitcoin and Ethereum today, but I'm not going to get the same opportunity that you did 10 years ago. So I'm talking about healthy relationships that are based on clear communication. These relationships are difficult, by the way. This is not like, you know, hug and cuddle and let's have a cuddle puddle and go to Burning Man. I'm talking about relationships where we can talk <laughs> about the real stuff and 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 hold each other accountable and talk about the ways in which you're triggering me. And that's what I'm talking about. So does that... A hundred percent. I'm right. so glad you, you cleared that up because um, I'm going through my own stuff. So I, I definitely projected my relationship stuff onto you, onto that question. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'm so glad you cleared that up because people listening, I'm sure have their own stuff and, and you bringing clarity to like, oh no, no, it's not when we say relationship, there are codependent relationships. There are healthy relationships. Sure. There's a spectrum of relationships and being aware mm. of that as well is super important. Um, to not externalize the self-worth, right? Well, and also relationship is a practice, right? <laughs> Again, using like the crypto market as an analogy for this, right? You have to learn how to be in crypto, right? You have to learn how to be in the financial world. I'm, I'm learning right now. I'm catching up to that. Like you've got a decade's worth of experience on me, at least, maybe probably more because of your background. But you don't just, we're not just born knowing how to be in relationship, just like we're not born knowing how to commit and be our word and follow through. These are not innate skills. So to be in relationship with people that relationships that are not codependent relationships that are not externally validating where I'm in it because I need you, right? That's, that takes practice. That takes time that you got to put in the reps for that stuff. So, um, and everybody's at a different point of that journey. Mm. So, so just to bring more clarity to this, so would you say that, that the, the way that a person can amplify their mission, like their self-purpose, uh, to not become destructive is communication in those relationships? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's one of the pillars, right? I would say communication and all the different types of communication, not just your words or text messages, how you communicate with your emotions. How does my body language emoting what is authentic within me. Really communication is, can I take what's inside of me and bring it outside of me in a way that you can understand it and then respond with your truth from inside of you? That's communication. And if you do that over enough time, it builds up trust 
it compounds. I use a lot of financial references when I you talk do. about You do. I was trust. about to say, like, I was like, man, this guy's. <laughs> oh, I dialed it up for you, man. This is just for you. <laughs> no, but if pe- people who follow me and hear me talk about relationships I actually talk about it like it's a bank account. So you and I, we went to the, when we met, we went to the bank and we opened up a bank account together, the, the Otto and Jetty account. And we were both smiling, walking in there together, holding hands. And we said, hey, you know what? Otto, I'm going to be on your podcast and I'm going to be there on time, even though I wasn't today for reasons we won't mention. But when, when, when we show up as who we say we are, and I, I prove to you that, hey, Otto, you can count on me, man. You can count on me to come here, to be a great guest on your podcast, to chop it up with you, to treat you well. And every time that you can put that in the bank, it's a deposit, mm. right? It's a deposit into your, but just like if you just bought a little Bitcoin today, right? It's like, boom, deposit in there. And then the interest accumulates over time. Now, if I don't show up and do what I said I was going to do, it's like I'm taking a withdrawal out of that account, right? Mm. It's like, uh, I, I had to lean on that account. If it's a really big account, we've been investing in it for decades, then I can make a withdrawal from time to time. And then the relationship will survive it. The, 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 the bank account will survive. You, you know, that's what you have your nest egg for, right? When you need it. Um, but you don't want to lean too heavy on those relationships. And if you haven't been making deposits over time, then when you make that big withdrawal, sometimes those relationships don't survive. Mm. So, um, is that too deep into the, no, that, that was, that was so great. I, I was about to say, it's like, so can I take a loan out? Is that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only Ethereum, only Ethereum. <laughs> oh no. I love this analogy because, you know, I've, for years I've been saying that, um, and this is not a, this is not a new thing, but that money, you know, once we internalize self-worth, the money becomes energy. It becomes a tool that we're now using to direct that self-worth to direct mm-hmm. the the love that we already have for ourselves to the things that we want or to the people that are going to bring more of that thing that we want. So, um I love that. I love this analogy because that's literally what it is. Uh you know, once you take away that element, you know, what wh- what you're describing is this like metaphysical bank account, you know, this emo- this this sort of like um oh, I don't even know how to describe that. Like what would you name that? It's like deposits of love, you know, like love-based, uh, uh, actions. I think of them as trust coins. I mean, to me, trust coins. cause I think, cause I think trust is, like is it's, it's love, it's grief. It's, it's, it encapsulates a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, but, I that, but that's it what trust. it is. Yeah. You know, that's what it is, man. It's being able to, to create the containers, create the space to feel trust, to feel safe enough to trust. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that's really what's happening in crypto. Crypto is just a representation of that energy that we've, that's really, you know, that's what money's always been. But crypto, in my opinion, is giving us ownership of that energy that we've never had to be able to now express that, truly express it directly without having like third parties in the middle, you know, taking and, and obfuscating, obfuscating. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like taking the chaperone out of your high school relationship, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like, you can actually, you don't have to have this intercessor in between you and this other person. It's like, nah, dude, let's just have a relationship because <laughs> that's way more honest. I don't know what is getting to you through somebody else. You know? Yeah. I can't, just to play on that, but like when I was younger, I remember they used to say, Put Jesus in the middle. Where is Jesus in the middle? <laughs> that was a church. I, I hope Pitch Jesus camp. wasn't in the middle of some of my relationships because <laughs> that would probably make my grandfather and my grandmother roll in their grave. <laughs> it's such a such an awkward moment, right? And I can't get that image out of my head, but let's, let's move. <laughs> oh, I love it. So uh, to keep moving on. Okay. Um, so what would you say is key then? to community and culture um, to build that in this world? Like, what would you say the leaders of this world need more of to create that reality of more community and more culture? I think that self-actualization is the prerequisite for leadership. And this is something that, uh, if you're familiar with Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, I know a lot of people love that tool. Um, There's actually an article that somebody sent me about a year ago that reflected on Maslow's research. Uh, For people who don't know about it, maybe you can link it in the show notes. People can go check it out, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Basically, what it talks about is the different needs that we have as humans that must be satisfied in order to go to the next level. So it starts with the basic needs, right? Like food, shelter, water, warmth. And then it moves up the ladder. It goes through financial security, et cetera. And all the way at the top, if all these needs are met, then a human being can be self-actualized, which to me is just another way of saying can identify their purpose, 
right? They're, they're, the, they're a unique way that you want to leave an impression on this planet before you go. Now, a lot of people thought that that was the tip of the pyramid because that's how it's usually depicted. But actually, there's a second follow-up to that. And because he was studying, I believe it was the Blackfoot tribes mm. at this time, and he was comparing them to a lot of the um, colonized civilization. And that's how he was getting a lot of his information. That self-actualization was just the beginning, right? That was the quote unquote initiation, if we're going into rites of passage talk, to adulthood, because the community provides food, shelter, warmth, security. You know, when kids are growing up, we provide these things for children. We, we give them significance. We acknowledge them when they're going through hard times and challenges and, and, and champion them to step forward. And then once they've identified their unique purpose, we celebrate them. And there's a ceremony, there's a, there's a recognition that you're no longer a child, you're an adult, you're a contributing person in this society. Now we move into adulthood where self-actualization is the start. And then when you have a community of self-actualized peoples, right? So let's just say that you, me, and all of our friends, we all are fully aligned with our purpose and given our gift on this planet, then the community becomes actualized. Now, what is that? What is that? I don't even know if anybody's ever experienced that in modern times, right? Like to have a whole circle of people who are fully living their gift, who have all of their basic needs met. Now, the tip of that pyramid, which this person who wrote this article said it's actually a teepee and it goes in a spiral is Ooh. cultural perpetuity, which is a fancy way of saying legacy, which means now we can hand this down to the next generation and have them be an entire community and generation of self-actualized peoples. Now, when we've got people like that walking around on the planet, we've got solutions to all of these problems. Right? We've got solutions to our financial problems. We've got solutions to our hunger problems. We've got solution to climate problems. We just aren't working together. That's, that's, that's the bottom line. I love that you just described, because you know recently I've been saying that um, we're trying to shift the flow of energy of money up the pyramid because it's going to one point and, and you know it's, it's um, at least at least from what I've researched, there, there's more energy at the base of the pyramid and as it goes up, it gets it gets uh, less potent. Mm -hmm. I, I've been saying that we're trying to shift that flow of money and energy up. To, towards the pyramid and out into a toroidal field. But as soon as you said that it's a, it's like a teepee where it's like a circular going up. Whoa, that actually like really reconnected the dots for me because all I can think now is like, oh, so, so it's as if like we're individually these toroidal fields that are self-actual, like self-realized. And we're just, we're working together up towards this leveling up together. So it's, it is a spiral. It has to be a spiral. Whoa, <laughs> my yeah. mind just blew up. <laughs> Boom, like brain matter all over the place, right? Like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, I mean, and people talk about fractals and sacred G. It, there's actually a connection between all of these technologies, right? And I mean, look at it in the technology world, the tech world, zeros and ones. There's a connection between all of it. it the same story is being told in all of these different languages now. There's so much noise and there's so many different dialects and accents of the same language that we forget that it's all saying the same thing. We're all here. We're part of one big organism. And when every element and layer of that organism is healthy and is playing its role, the organism thrives, right? Like everything's I love good. this. I have a question. I don't know if you mentioned this earlier, but when did you start men's work? How, how old were you uh, between? I sat in my first men's circle when I was 20 years old. And we were sitting around pizza with my buddies at a dinner table. And these are these were my guys back then. Like right? we'd already been fostering strong relationships for a few years. And it, this was senior year of college. And we're starting to, we were getting really interested in talking about social issues. So we had these community circles that we with men and women. And sometimes they were like 70 people. It was crazy how big of a of an impact it had. Uh, but one night we were just having pizza, six of us. We were sitting down eating, just hanging out, nothing formal. And one of my buddies said, hey, what's going on? <laughs> like, we're eating pizza, hanging out. What do you mean what's going on? He's like, no, no, no. I mean, what's really going on with you guys? Like, we talk about a lot of stuff, but what's what's really going on? Like, in there. And that was the that's where I say that's where it started. Because that was the first time I was like, oh, is it okay to talk about what's going on in here? Because there's something going on in here but I haven't talked about it yet. So that was the first, very first time that I sat in what I would consider a men's circle, even though it was informal, we had no idea what we were doing. Five years later, when I was 25 years old was when I sat on a men's team for the first time. I'm talking about men who were twice my age, who'd been doing this for decades, who looked at me and said, hey, there's something inside of you that you're not telling us. What is it? 
And I was like, whoa, <laughs> easy now. Where's the exit? I got to get out of here because this is uncomfortable. <laughs> You're looking at me. Your eyes are open. Looking at me. What the? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they joke about me. They, those guys say that they didn't hear me talk for the first year, which is pretty accurate. I was just, my head was spinning. I was like, what the hell are these guys? They were shooting questions back and forth, challenging each other. And it took me about a year to just catch up to, oh, I see what's going on here. But um, so yeah, 20, 25, I'm about to be 35 in a couple of months. So that's amazing, man. I didn't know, gosh, you know, I I guess it's hard, it's hard to compare to self because we've so been so easily indoctrinated to compare to others. Mm -hmm. Um, So every time I hear that of somebody that's when they started their journeys at such a young age, I just look at myself and I'm like, what was I doing? (laughs) I mean, you were doing the same stuff I was doing probably. I mean, even though I sat in a men's circle when I was 20, it wasn't like the clouds parted and all of a sudden I was like this enlightened individual. No, man, I was, I mean, 23, 24, 25, those are my darkest years of my life so far. Actually, this last winter, this, this just proves that the work's never done. This last winter was the most challenging season, three months of my entire adult life. And that was after, what are we talking, 10, 15 years of being in quote unquote the work. So it's, it's never over, man. I was still getting high and smoking cigarettes and sitting in men's circles back then. Uh, So yeah, I I don't want people to have this illusion that all of a sudden I became this like Dalai Lama, you know, enlightened person. Well, I think this is a great moment here because for those listening, you know, I think this is, correct me if I'm wrong, Jetty, but would you say that um, coaches leaders, thought leaders, all these people, like they're still struggling through their own stuff. It might be at different levels. It might be different symptoms, but everyone is still going through it and still teaching and still pushing through it. If you've got somebody who's in any way portraying the idea or the notion that they've got it all figured out and they've got it all together, run as fast as you can in the other direction, right? (laughs) Or, Or ask them, are you really okay? Like, do you need some support? Because none of us have our shit figured out, man. I've been sitting in these men's circles for long enough and I've heard from enough men, guys who literally checking every single life box who are coming in there saying, I still have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Guys who I respect, guys I look up to who have no idea what they're doing. So yeah, I mean, the... Insta society that we live in, where it's about likes and filters and all that crap. It's so important. And, and I, I, I'll say this, I call out influencers all the time. Whenever I have the opportunity, I'm like, dude, that is not a fair portrayal of who you are and what you got going on. If you're not willing to talk about the dark side too, then don't even bother mentioning the light because you're just setting people up for failure. We start to imagine that, oh, I'm this like fucked up person because I don't have it all put together like so-and-so on Instagram. Nobody has it like that, man. And I know enough people to know that that's not the case. Yeah. I've heard it called, uh, recently being called uh, spiritual bypassing, right? Oh, where, yeah. you, where you negate, you say, oh no, the shadow. Yeah, it's there. I, I'm, I'm recognizing it, but let's just put it over here and not look at it anymore and just be nice and dandy and peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, what about, what about it? <laughs> yeah. Where, where I come from, we say one of the most powerful forces in the universe is someone's ability to believe their own bullshit. Uh, I usually, I usually say that about men cause I work in the men's space, but that, I mean, that's, that's what's up, right? Like to tell you, I mean, how many times have I told myself, oh, I'm just practicing gentleness with myself. So I'm going to give myself a pass on the fact that I did snoozed my alarm five times this morning. It's like, dude, come on. Like, let's, let's be honest. Let's, let's start having some honest conversations. And yeah, n- nobody's excused from that. Nobody's excused from that. Nobody gets to portray something that isn't authentic or real. My go-to is, um, oh, I'm listening to my body. Yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, exploring and experimenting with mindful uh, gentleness right now. It's like, <laughs> it's like okay, uh, sure, whatever you want to tell yourself. But well, this is actually a great question. So, um, uh, and I want to deviate a little bit here. So, when was the first time you heard about crypto? What was your first experience with crypto? That is a really good question. Um, you know, it's funny when everyone started. <laughs> this is a funny story. Uh, so, when everyone started talking about Bitcoin, and Bitcoin was clearly like this thing that was emerging. I, I had this memory in the back of my head back when I was like on dial up internet or something, there was this thing called Bitcoin. I don't oh, know. Yes. <laughs> you remember Bitcoins? So Whoa, that's, I don't know. Back then. I don't know even, I still don't even know what that was, but somehow I got into it and I was earning Bitcoins from emailing people and forwarding. I don't even know how you did it back then, but I was earning Bitcoins and I, I had some somewhere. I don't know what they even were, but when Bitcoin came out and everyone was like, Oh my God, if you've got Bitcoin, you're, I was like, 
where the fuck are my bitcoins? Like, how do I? Get, it's probably in my AOL address. What was my what was my password? Oh shit! Oh shit! Um, so I got to say that was the first exposure I had to it, and then I realized, oh, it's Bitcoin, and that has nothing to do with Bitcoin. I was like, ah, I was like, ah, that's you know for people who understand technology, and that's not me. So I, I I shunned it away for a while, and I didn't actually invest my first dollars into into crypto until just last year. So I tracked it for a while. Um, I guess when the resurgence happened, let's say maybe three or four years ago, there was like that big spike in it. That was when my some of my close buddies were like, yo, I just bought a, a Bitcoin for like 5G. You should do it. And I was like, I don't got 5G. I got a three-year-old son and my wife hasn't worked in a couple of years. Like I'm trying to pay the rent. Um, so I was a slow, uh, what are they? What, what Adopter. Are they Slow adopter. I was going to say like a late bloomer. I was a late bloomer in, uh, in the crypto world, uh, but I've certainly come, come, a, um, come a long way with it, you know, and, and, and t- towards really understanding what it is about and embracing the idea of, of a crypto currency future. So yeah, did you, um, so when you initially invested, did you, what did you get into? You don't have to tell uh, me your portfolio, a, but like no, 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 no. I mean, I, I went with like the the safe ones, right? I, I bought some Bitcoin, I bought some Ethereum. Um, I, I shout out to Mark Rose. He was like, he was talking all about it. He was living at my on the property where I lived at, and he was like, "Dude, I've been in this crypto, blah 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 blah." I was like, "Okay, Mark Rose, you're into it," <laughs> which I think is actually worth noting, right? That's that goes back to relationships. Here's a guy who I built mm-hmm. up trust with for years, and here he is going at it. That that's what it took to push me over the edge. I was like, okay, I, I trust Mark Rose. He's a, he's a solid dude. If he's getting into crypto, then uh, let me take a look at it. And I was like, well, I got a you know few hundred bucks lying around. Let me throw it in there. And, and then I just started to consume YouTube videos for better or worse, but I just went in. I probably watched like hundreds of hours of crypto video. That's it? That's it? <laughs> well, I mean, like I'm talking about in a short period of time. <laughs> yeah while having a, a, a young family. So yeah, yeah. I, for me, it was like all in. Um, but I'm still, you know, to be fully transparent, I'm still like skeptical. I'm not, I'm not all in. My, my life savings isn't in crypto, but I've definitely put thousands of dollars into it at this point. So um, well, that's, that's a good little segue. So what, what are the things that you would, what kind of question do you have um, that you think your audience would benefit from hearing from you? my audience would benefit from hearing about crypto. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I've noticed, especially with men, you know, my audience in rising men tends to be guys in their twenties and thirties, different stages of life, but generally guys who either are pursuing their purpose or looking towards making that shift in their life towards something more solid, something more long lasting. Mm -hmm. And so, so many guys, myself included, just have no idea what they're doing when it comes to finances. And so I think a lot of guys that I see in my community are looking at crypto as, ooh, here's my opportunity to hit the lottery and mm. have my financial future come easy, which I don't know about you, man, but I don't I don't know any money that comes easy in this world. Sometimes you get lucky, but oftentimes it's you're strategic and you're willing to endure. So I don't know if there's a question in there. There but. is, there is. I heard it. I heard a few. Um, so a hundred percent, that is the wrong way of coming into the space is com- is looking at it as another asset class and or looking at it as a quick way to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the reason being because it used to be that way. It used to be that way when it was when it was uh, you know still very new and the institutions had a hasn't hadn't put their hands into it. It was still very decentralized. So. Um, it was a lot of lucky breaks, a lot of moments that you could invest and slide in and, and make a quick quick buck. And unlucky breaks too, I'm sure. I'm sure a hundred percent on the opposite. They don't have YouTube side. channels. <laughs> they don't have some do, and that's all they talk about is how bad <laughs> it is. Um, but yes, the, you definitely have both sides of the spectrum, even the losing side. So um what I've learned is two things: is that not only is a space not just another asset class. Like it's not just another thing that you trade. And, and most people come into the space looking at it as that way because that's all we have compared to. You know, we have stocks, we have commodities, we have real estate. <laughs> you know, and then you look at, oh, there's crypto. Here's the other thing. Where I'm learning it's not. It's not that. So that's like what the one big thing. And then the other thing is um the trading part of it. Like coming in and coming in with the like somebody needs to lose for me to win. That's just how the world works. You know, uh, um, it creates, it's divisive, right? It's like, I need to, I need to lone wolf this thing because nobody's here helping me out on my team. 
I need to figure it out on my on my own. That those those two mindsets, in my opinion, will create a very destructive path for you in the space. Like it'll, you'll have a very bad experience because it, uh, this is how I see it: the the whole space is a tool. Tools when they're put out into the universe are attract both good and evil. Mm. Definitely attracts evil. Good. Uh, only if they see you know some opportunity in it, but but usually the the good people don't use the tools in this reality because we just want to do our own thing. We just want to live. Well, and also I think a lot of people. I think about this when I think of all the people who I love who are so invested in the health of the planet. Right? It's it's like the 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 evil who are like ah, who cares? Let's burn all the oil. And the good people who are like no, let's save the oceans, let's save all the animals. And there's this point where they're like, oh my god, this is like such a big obstacle. Like we're all fucked. Right. So it's like if, if good can endure and stick it out, like just stay in the ring and duke it out with these ulterior motive forces. I don't even know about calling them evil. I think it's just people who have misguided priorities, but just sustain like enduring, being able to endure. Because now I see, you know, I think it started with open source. And when, when that first came out, it's like, hey, let's just share this stuff. Like, what's the point of everybody needing to capitalize on it? And now we've got Web3 and these NFT projects. I, I mean, I've been involved in an advisory capacity with some, some of these different projects and seeing how much they're talking about building community into these projects. And I'm like, okay, I see what can happen here. And I don't, I really still don't know the first thing about an NFT. And I know there's so much opportunity and how we can have use blockchain technology to build community and all of that type of stuff. But I, I think that it's all going to come back to relationships. How are we going to choose to relate with each other? And the de- I think we spoke about this when you were on my show, the decentralization of the economy, but also the decentralization of society. Mm-hmm. And going back to Dunbar's number, you, mm-hmm. you can't have a community with more than 100 people because you start to have strangers. And as soon as there's strangers, it, it leaks trust. It's like there's too many people. So what are these decentralized cryptocurrency and NFT projects going to look like in the long term? Maybe that's the question. So, so yeah, no, and, and I'm, I'm so glad you actually said all that because that's actually the direction I was moving towards. What's happening now, these tools, um, there's a centralization of crypto because the people with bad intentions are centralizing because that's, that's the easiest way to, to facilitate power and profit and to keep that control is to centralize. The more you can centralize that new tool, the easier it is to do that. And so right now you have a centralization of crypto projects happening. It's just like the internet, right? When the internet started, it was completely decentralized. And in the last 40 years, it's centralized. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now crypto started, decentralized everything again because of crypto, because of that operating system. And now slowly in the last decade or so, it's been centralizing. It's been the, these pro, the, the big companies that are just the same companies that were doing the same thing in the old system different are now name. doing it. Yeah. It's a different, different tools, same name or different tool, different name, same game, like mm-hmm. the same mindset, same perspective, same ideology, all that stuff. So what I'm seeing it for what it is now, uh, my perspective is that we need to start coming together. What you just said there about uh, starting at the local level, like creating tiny communities. You say a hundred with crypto, with with blockchain, and especially these NFT DAOs that are coming out. Um, you can actually, because uh, these these systems are essentially, essentially trustless systems. It's trustless systems to allow us to trust ourselves. Because once you eliminate in my opinion, once you eliminate the uh, tension that comes from talking about money, because we all have our own little different relationships to money, once you remove that conversation and you're using a system that doesn't require us to talk about it, and it really allows us to fluidly transact and be in each other's space without having to discuss it because it's all there, it's all public, that's when things change. And in my opinion, you can do that with like 2,500, 3,000 people and still be good to go. And those are the numbers you kind of need to create a, 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 a toroidal field system to where you don't need to be reliant on other markets. Well, and maybe this is the hybridization, right? Let's use another. That, that's what it is. It's exactly the hybridization that. of my world of building community that's based on relationships and 
finances because, hey, those two things really aren't going to go away, right? We're always going to need resources. We put value into a resource, some sort, some form of currency that allows us to have these exchanges and trades for what we need. So the relationship side is the, is the industry that I know really well. And most of the people in my community, we're getting really good at that. But a lot of people in that community also really suck with their, their finances because you can only put so much time and effort into one thing. So I think there's actually a really cool merging of these two worlds that's happening. I think that's why you and I, we, we get along really well because we see like, yeah, yeah. We, when we can bring these two things together and, and all the possibilities that are available, now we'll start actually having the possibility to create the future that we all see in our mind's eye. When we close our eyes, we're just approaching it from different sides of the wheel. Yeah. And it's so cool, this conversation in, in our perspective, because you're right. It is, they, they really, they're, they marry really well. And here's why I think that um, up until now, all these projects that are launching at a global level has been fed money from these major corporations, these like VCs, these centralized corporations, mm -hmm. the projects and those projects are now, in my opinion, are like becoming like there's a negative to it right now. In this very moment, there's a shift happening to mm -hmm. where the projects that are really taking off and are actually becoming uh, legit, you know, quote unquote legit, are the ones that are organically coming together from communities. Mm -hmm. So like the, commu the community driven projects now are becoming the good projects, whereas the, the gl over glamorized, over marketed, you know, quote unquote established projects on the global level are starting to become like not as good. Like people aren't really for that anymore. So there is a shift happening in this very moment that we're speaking, mm -hmm. um, where the, the community is, is becoming priority. It's becoming mm -hmm. like the number one thing. Like they don't even care about tech right yet. Like the communities are coming together. They're like, yeah, we'll talk about tech, but we have a strong community, <laughs> you know? Right, 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 so it's cool. It's cool. The transition. Yeah. And I see it too, I guess on my end, you know, some of these like I said, some, some of these NFT communities, some of these crypto communities have been reaching out to me, asking me for help. I'm like, well, how do we build trust in our community? Because mm -hmm. you're right, man. Once you start talking about money, talk about, go, go back home and talk about money with your family, especially if you, if you come from like a New Jersey Italian family like me or anybody with like a European background. Brazilian. Yeah. There you yeah. Go. <laughs> Dude, that's, I mean, that's the first thing. As soon as somebody's got some money, it's like, everybody's your cousin. Um, so anyway, I know we're coming up on time there, but it's, it's so much good stuff, man. And I do, I, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. So I do believe that we'll figure it out. I believe in the goodness of humans that we're not, the evil doesn't really exist. It's just when it's misguided priorities mm. and, and when we can create community to reflect those things and, and nurture it, not make people wrong for it. Cause I mean, I was, I, I, I walked across the Brooklyn bridge at, at, at Occupy Wall Street. I saw people getting arrested. Like, I was there for that. And I, at that point in time, I was like, yeah, F these guys, you know, F mm. these guys real hard. Cause I'm tired of this, but we're all, we all got to look at our own personal responsibility for how we've perpetuated this and how we've been a part of this creation. Can't externalize that. So mm, love that. Can't externalize. You got to own it. If you don't own, own it, it, you're suppressing it. <laughs> there you go. Um, I love this conversation, man. Every time I talk to you, uh, which has only been, this is the second time I think we've like organically allowed a conversation to come out. Um, I can see that we align in a lot of ways and a lot of like perspectives and a lot of, not that that matters, but I, I love, I love it when it resonates. Yeah. Likewise. Um, yeah. Um, so last question before we go to this last part here, would you say that there's a correlation now between financial health and crypto, especially for the younger generations that are, you know, just trying to establish themselves and, grow up in this new world. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> that's funny, man. I think we're, we're all getting older faster because of the speed that society is growing and evolving. But kids, I mean, my, I think of my children, I've got a six and a half year old son, a three-year-old daughter. They're going to grow up in a world where crypto, by the time that they're like really working with money and taking stewardship over their own money, there might only be cryptocurrency. They'll be like, what's a dollar? <laughs> you know, uh, what, what is, you guys used to carry around money? Like you guys are so <laughs> weird, you know? Um, so I think it, I think it's important, imperative to educate, especially, I always think about children, you know, we can't go back. I can't go back and rewire my brain as a kid, but I can certainly help my kids have what I didn't. Having a strong education in finances and management, just managing resources, um, and understanding it. Cause I, I was actually taught really well on how to save as a kid, but that was it. It was like, uh, let's, let's store up all the nuts, but no one ever told me what to do with it 
at the, mm. after that. And I was like, okay, I got, I'm really good at putting money away, but why am I doing just putting it all away here? I could take it out and do stuff with it. So, uh, you know, I, I believe it will be crypto. I believe that crypto is going to be around. I don't know. I, pick a pick a 10 people. You'll have 10 different opinions on what the outcome is going to be. But it's but yours important. is the most important one here. <laughs> in this I think very it moment. Be, I think it will be important. I, I've always believed in my gut that we will have a decentralization of society. Yeah. Um, I talked to you about this. I think that we will have smaller communities and, and maybe these, you call them DAOs. I still don't really know what that is yet, but I want to know because I do believe that having these local currencies and communities that, that govern themselves is the future. And mm -hmm. I used to think it was just going to be small townships and people doing it there, but maybe it's going to be digital and we're going to have these small crypto communities that we all share a common cryptocurrency. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I love it. I mean, if anything, it's a nice time to be alive <laughs> that we can For sure. literally, we're in, I feel like we're in a position now that we, we have anything that we can manifest, like the future ahead of us. And I don't know if this is like something generational that every generation says, I just feel like this is different. It's like, it really does feel different that like we can actually make change here. Like the, the, the stuff, the resources are there. We just need to step into that role and allow that to, you know, become something. I mean, we're well, we're way more equipped than, I mean, my parents came from the the sixties and seventies, right? So they were flower children, right? They, 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 that was the last time we made a big effort at toppling the man and toppling, mm. you know, society. And they just didn't have the equipment. I mean, if they had, I mean, even if they just had Instagram <laughs> back then, can you imagine right? <laughs> to document the stuff that had, I mean, that's the, this is why you're starting to see change is because we can document things. Everything is on camera now. Everything's being recorded. Everything's in the blockchain technology. So yeah, man, I agree. I think we're, we're more equipped. Will we succeed? Time will tell. You could interview my kids when they're our age and see how well we did. <laughs> uh, I can't wait 30 years from now for, uh, let's look at the archives and like, it's all this. Let's <laughs> talk to each other. <laughs> That's it. Uh, good times. Um, Brother, you are amazing. I loved it. Love the conversation. Um, I have one last thing that you, if you can do this for me. So if you're in front of millions of people, they're all staring at you and they're waiting and you've got the microphone and you have a few sentences to say, what would you tell those millions of people that are watching you? Mm. It's all about the children. At the end of the day, your, your crypto account doesn't matter. It's what you're going to leave behind for your kids. And, uh, I don't. I didn't know anything about my family's financial situation when I was growing up. It was all about what values and messages I was getting from my parents. So just be mindful of who is watching because someone's always watching and usually it's the kids. And the best thing that we can do is leave a legacy of strong values and service-oriented people, service-oriented culture. That's, that's more important than any investment you can make. That's a powerful message, especially nowadays, my brother. Powerful, powerful message. Kids, I mean, you can't, you can't, that's, that's facts. It's like math. The kids are the future. <laughs> Period. We're not going to be around forever, you and I. So exactly uh, behind is those strong values. Exactly. Well, brother, thank you so much, Jetty. Um, amazing conversation. And I can't wait to just connect again and do this again. Thank you, sir. Likewise, man. Honored to be here, Otto. Thank you so much for everything that you do. And thanks for having me on here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is Jetty. Jetty Azuma, he has gone above and beyond the call of duty when it comes to uh, being the facilitator, being the bridge for men's work, for men's awareness, for men's um, uh, 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 journey. You know, there, there is a very specific route, a very specific path that men are sort of required to take. And we, we, we have to sort of create our own, um, uh, not obstacles, but we have to create our own like uh, rites of passage. You know, men and women have, a, have different rites of passage. Women have this natural, you know, uh, change and, 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 and expression that the body goes through at a young age. And that is a very obvious rite of passage into womanhood. For men, you know, in this society, in this world that we live in, there really isn't a, a path, you know, that is um, the stepping stone going from a child, from a boy to a man. And society has created 
several ways and several paths, but mostly destructive paths. And so it's on us now to become aware of that difference of that change and really start to hone in on our own journeys and see what that looks like for ourselves. Cause it's going to be different for everyone, what that rite of passage looks like. And you really have to see where your limitations are and then just step into that uncomfortable feeling and really look at this, the boogeyman in the eyes and, and step into it. And that's what Jetty here does. He, he helps, he guides, he, 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 He's like sort of like a transformation guide that helps you through that passage, through that rite of passage. So I enjoyed our conversation. Our conversations have always gone deep when we do connect. And um, again, I like his his excitement around crypto. There's there is a little bit of excitement there. I think because he is aware that when it comes to men's work, the one of the main bottlenecks, one of the main issues that men have is their relationship to money and resources. And so once you can kind of overcome that, become aware of it enough to overcome those, those limitations, then you can take a breath and step into at least curiosity so that you can start to become aware of your reactions and how you are with relationships as well as with the relationship with yourself. And like I said, uh, abundance, looking at resources, looking at your own relationship to money is crucial for that first step. So if you want to dive deeper into that, into what it looks like for you, make sure you check out my Crypto Made Easy course. It's 22 plus videos, uh, 10, 15 minutes each, seven and a half hours. It goes through all the different layers of crypto, all the theory, all the um, arbitrage gaps that we can start to look at opportunity in the eye and start to capture it. So if you want to dive deeper into that, make sure you check it out. Or if you want some more practical steps, um, I'm going to be working with um, a group of men that if you're listening to this, you probably have heard of them. They're called Sacred Sons, and we're working together to create a new pillar, uh, essentially a financial pillar and focusing more on you know, our individual relationship to money and what that looks like as a man, specifically as a man in that group. We're going to be doing also some co-ed opportunities for you to bring in your, your spouse but uh, in the beginning stages, I want to really focus on, on men and what that journey looks like for, for us. So again, if you enjoy this episode, make sure you smash the subscribe button. Make sure you follow me on TikTok, follow me on Instagram, go to the platforms. Uh, you never know when censorship overlord is going to come in and start to put all their power and scrutiny into my voice. So I love you guys. I love that you're listening to this and following along. And always remember to gamify your abundance. Love you guys.